Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Ya ayyuhal muslimun. To the long-time listener and first-time visitor, we welcome you to this episode. Now without further ado, let's get into it. Inna alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ghfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyiyati a'malina man yahdihillahu falamudillala ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله الناصح الامين فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله واحسن الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٍ وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي النَّارِ ثُمَّ أَمَّا بَعْدٍ يَا مَرْحَبًا بِكُمْ We welcome everyone who came out this evening and we welcome those who may listen to it in the future بِذْنِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward and bless each and every one of you tremendously. We also would like to, after thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sending the salah and the salam upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam we want to thank the organizers of these beneficial lessons may Allah Ta'ala reward each and every one of them may Allah Ta'ala reward those teachers who come and share benefits and may Allah Ta'ala make it very heavy on their scale of good deeds on the day of judgment with that being the case and reflecting upon the Day of Judgment, you know, when it comes to the dunya and worldly success, you often hear many individuals saying that the most successful people, one tendency you find amongst them is that they say no the most. Now, undoubtedly, we're speaking about in terms of, of, of dunya. This is what they mention about the CEOs of the world, those who are successful in their industries and their trade, is that they know how to say no, right? As Muslims, we look at everything from the lens of the hereafter, firstly. And then we look at what will benefit us here in this world. But our focus and our gaze is always on the hereafter. Now, so with that being the case, undoubtedly, a part of success is knowing when to say no. And this applies first and foremost as it comes to the hereafter. Because those things that are haram, then these are things that we have to say no to. Undoubtedly, unapologetically. The Sahaba, when they had come under attack, when the clans had come together, and they tried to destroy the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba. They were digging a ditch around Medina so as to fortify their position and as a defensive tactic. And while doing that, they were saying some beautiful lines of poetry. From those lines, that if Allah had not guided us, then we will not have given charity and we will not have prayed. So send down the tranquility upon us. And make our feet firm if we were to meet the enemy. Because these individuals, they have transgressed the bounds against us. And if they intend for us fitna. And fitna here in this context, it means shirk, it means kufr, it means polytheism and disbelief. If this is what they want for us, then abayna, we refuse, we refuse. So the Sahaba, they knew that when it comes to being offered the option of leaving your religion, going back upon your heels, going to kufr after Allah Ta'ala had guided us, then they knew that this was not an option. So the only answer was no. And this was clear. And this was without apprehension, without hesitation. 
So likewise, we have to take this attitude. Abayna, if it comes to kufr, if it comes to leaving off our religion, if it comes to compromising our Islamic values, if it comes to compromising the guidance in which Allah Ta'ala, He has guided us to, Abayna, we refuse. Naam. Alhamdulillah, we have to renounce our way to success. If we want to be successful, then we have to know what to say no to. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he told us in a very famous hadith, Izhad fi dunya, Allah, renounce the worldly life and Allah will love you. Wazhad fima inda aidi nas, fima and leave that which is in the hands of the people and then the people will love you this hadith has been collected by Ibn Majah and has been graded as authentic by Al-Albani Ibn Majah Al-Albani renounce the worldly affairs the worldly life and Allah will love you renounce what the people possess, what is in the hands of the people, and the people will love you. There's tremendous benefit in this hadith, and it was not my intention to go into a deep explanation of this hadith in this sitting. Perhaps that can be for another time, another sitting. But we want to take away from it the aspect and the concept of renouncing the dunya, and what is meant by renouncing the dunya. Because it, is, because it is in renouncing the dunya that we will find the ultimate and true success. And this is because we will constantly be keeping our eyes on the prize, constantly looking to the hereafter, constantly looking to that which is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not allowing the dunya to distract us. So what is meant by have zuhud as relates to the dunya? What is meant by that? In order to properly understand that, then we have to properly understand what is zuhud. Qala Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullahu ta'ala He mentions Az-zuhud tarku ma la yanfi' fil-akhirah The zuhud is to leave that which does not benefit in the hereafter. And it's very important that we understand that. Because many people have this understanding that the zahid, the one who abstains and renounces the worldly life, that zuhud, it means that an individual, they will be poor. It means that an individual, they won't have a lot of outfits, for example. It means that an individual, perhaps they may not own a car, or if they do, it is an old car, and it's beat down, and it's raggedy, and so on and so forth. But this is not what is meant by zuhud. <laughs> an individual can be a billionaire. Yes, billion with a B and still be Zahid, and still be one who has left and renounced the worldly life. And the caveat and the difference is that the one who is a true Zahid, you will find that there is nothing in their heart that is more beloved to them, that is greater to them, that is more precious to them than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So nothing is more precious to them than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The most precious thing, the most noble thing, the most, the best thing in their heart is Allah ta'ala and they don't put nothing, they don't put anything in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they seek out the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even if that means angering the creation. Naam. And they do not seek the praise and the admiration and the love from the creation knowing that it will cause Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be angry with them. So Allah ta'ala is the most important thing to them. So the same way that they are with billions, you find this is the same way they will be if they had nothing. Naam. They will still worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala advertly. They will still strive their best to give what they can they will still be the same individual because they are not made or defined by their money. 
Now, they are not defined by their wealth. They are not defined by their tax bracket. They, it can mean nothing to them. It means nothing to them. Their money, in their, eye, in their eyes, it is a tool. It is a tool by way in which they utilize it in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is because their money it is inside of their hand. It's not in their heart. When the money is in your hand, then the money remains what it is. It's a tool. It's a tool for you to use to gain benefit for yourself. But when that money enters into your heart, and then now you become the tool. You become that which the, which the money utilizes as the puppeteer while you are the puppet. The believer has to strive to never allow this to be their situation. Never. So the money remains in the hands, not in the heart. So zuhud, if let's go back, zuhud, tarku ma la yanfa' fil akhirah is to leave off that which does not benefit you in the hereafter. Walwara and leaving something due to religious fear, what this means, wara, al wara tarku ma takhafu darruhu fil akhirah. Wara is to leave off that which you fear, dararuhu. You fear that it will hurt you in the hereafter. So if you ever approach something and you're not sure, is this thing going to, yani, I fear it may hurt me on the day of judgment. So then, min babil you leave it off. You leave it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that because I, I fear that this might hurt me. Now, whereas as zuhud is, if you see something and it's not going to benefit you on the day of judgment, then you leave it. Why? It's no benefit for me on the day of judgment. So it'll be a waste of my time because ultimately, I'm trying to be in a good situation on that day. And this is how the Prophet وسلم, he was. And it could be famously illustrated in the statement of the Prophet وسلم, where the Prophet وسلم, he said, Mali dunya. He said, What is my connection? What is my situation with the dunya? Meaning that what? I have no need for the dunya. What do I need with the dunya? Naam. I am not in this dunya except like a person who is riding, traveling on a journey. I'm riding on a journey. It's I get, I dismount and I take shade under the tree. Take rest and some shade and benefit from under the tree. And then I, I, I continue my journey and I leave it behind. He said this is what, what his situation when it came to the dunya. It's it's it it has its purpose. Naam, it has its purpose. It is that place where we could gain and utilize it to gain good deeds. Naam, to, to do good deeds. To build our abode in the hereafter. Naam, to build our abode in the hereafter. Because there is no abode in the hereafter, except the one that we build now. So if we build it with good, then we'll have for us waiting a good resting place, a good abode in the hereafter. And if we corrupt it and destroy it, then we would have done nothing but destroyed ourselves. Like the poet he mentions, he said, La darul mar'i He said that there is no place of abode for an individual to live in. Except for that one that he built before his death. Or except for that one that she built before her death. I want you to think about this. In the hereafter, there is no house for you except for the one that you build now. Except for the one that you build before your death. Okay? Okay? And if he builds it with good, then his abode will be good. And if he builds it with evil, then the builder will be destroyed. Because the house, it will be what the hellfire. The one who is smart, he utilizes this world as preparation for his forever, for the hereafter. And this is because there is not a single one from amongst us except that we are heading in 
the direction of death. None of us is heading backwards. None of us are getting younger, but we're getting older, second by second. Already now, we've been here for more than 10 minutes. Ma'am? So this means that we are 10 plus minutes closer to the grave. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us in His noble book, Kullu, every single one, Kullu nafsin, dha'iqatul mawt. Every soul shall taste death. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He informs us of the reality of what's going to take place for us here in this world. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَنَبَلُوكُمْ بِالشَّرِّ And we will test you, and we will put you to trial, put you to trials and tribulations by way of distasteful things. By way of calamities. And also with good. So Allah Ta'ala tells us here in this dunya we will be tested with distasteful things, with hard times, with calamities, with things that are bad. And we will be tested also with prosperity, with things that are good, with things that are pleasurable. That all of these things are a test. Allah Ta'ala, He says, وَإِلَيْنَا And unto us, تُرُجَعُونَ You are all returning. So Allah Jalla wa'ala, He informs us that this world is a test. The bad times, these are tests. And this is clear. I don't think anyone debates this or questions this. When we go to calamities, sickness, the loss of prophets, getting to a car accident, so on and so forth. All of these things are tests, and we all are able to recognize them. But also, prosperity is also a test to see whether or not we are going to be grateful unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's all a test. So Allah, so Allah Jalla wa'ala, Azza wa Jal, He tests us here in this dunya with good times and with bad times. Allah Ta'ala, He says, نَبَلُوكُمْ بِالشَّرِّ that we will put you to test, we will put you to trial with good, with bad, and with good as a test, as a trial for you. Eh? As uh, Al Hafiz ibn Kathiri mentions, He says, Sometimes we test you with calamities, and other times we test you with prosperity. To see. And when it is meant to see, meaning that what? So that the proof is established against us. Because Allah Ta'ala, He knows. He already knows who's going to be grateful, who's going to be ungrateful, who's going to be thankful, who's going to be angry. Allah Ta'ala, He already knows. Who's going to believe, who's going to disbelieve. But Allah Ta'ala, He gives us the opportunity to either gain good for ourselves or to destroy ourselves. Also to see who's going to be patient and who's going to lose hope, who's going to give up hope and not be patient. Like Ali bin Abi Talha, he mentioned and Ibn Abbas who narrated it on Ibn Abbas that the meaning of Nabalukum to test you a Nabataliukum Nabatalikum Bishari Wal Khairi Fitna Bishidda Wal Rakha Wal Suha Wal Sakam Wal Ghina Wal Fakr Wal Halal Wal Haram Wal Ta'a Wal Ma'asiya Wal Huda Wal Dalal this means you will be tested with good, with bad, and with good as a, as a trial. With hard times and with easy times. With health and with sickness. With prosperity and wealth and with poverty. With that which is permissible and with that which is haram. With obedience and disobedience. With guidance and with misguidance 
So it's all a test. So where does the true happiness and the true success lie? Because in dunya, if the good times are tests, then this means that worldly success is a test. It's all part of the test. Wealth is, is part of the test. Just like good health is part of the test. And I don't think any one of us will classify poverty as success. I don't think any one of us will classify sickness as success. So, what is the real success then? Where is the true success? If that which is shrouded and seems to be success here is in actuality just a test so what is true success? So when I mean what is shrouded to be success here, I mean from a worldly extent. Right? So if all of that is not true success, then what is true success? Allah Ta'ala, He says elsewhere in the Quran, كُلُّ نَفْسٍ ذَائِقَةُ الْمَوْتِ That every soul shall taste death. وَإِنَّمَا تُوَفَّوْنَ أُجُورَكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And that verily, on the day of judgment, you shall be paid in full. For what you have done on the day of judgment, you shall be paid in full for what you have done. Those who did good will be rewarded. Those who did bad will be punished. Allah Ta'ala, he goes on to say, فَمَنْ زُحْزِحَ عَنِ النَّارِ وَأُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةِ فَقَدَ And whoever is saved from going to the hell fire, whoever escapes hell, then this is the one who will be successful. The one who escapes hell and they enter into the Jannah. This is true success. Now, this is true success. This is why we say renounce your way to success. Renounce all of those things that will bring you to the hellfire. Renounce, say no to all of those things that will earn an individual hell. And because that's the only way you're going to be successful. Now, meaning that in addition to doing those things that will make you eligible for the Jannah, like believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, submitting yourself unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, believing properly in Allah, in His angels, in His messengers, in the books, in the day of judgment, in Qadr, Khayrihi wa Sharri, believing properly in all of those things in which Allah ta'ala, He has commanded us to believe in. Acting upon the knowledge by submitting ourselves to Allah, by fulfilling those obligations that Allah Ta'ala, He has mandated upon us from the prayer, from fasting in a month of Ramadan, from giving zakat, giving charity, from making hajj, so on and so forth. Being righteous to one's parents, being righteous to one's kith and kin, being good to the orphan, so on and so forth. That we do those things that are mandatory upon us and we do those things that are recommended. And while doing this, we also have to stay away from those things that are haram. And we have to stay away from those things that are makruh, that are hated. Because the makruh will lead you to the haram. Right? So, because we are scared of falling into the haram, we leave off the makruh and we leave off some things that are even mubah. Why? Min bab wara. Because we are scared they may hurt us in the hereafter. So we leave it. Don't need it. We leave it. Naam. Ala kulli Allah Ta'ala, as Al-Hafid Al-Kathiri mentions, Yukhbiru Ta'ala ikhbaran amma ya'ummu jami'al khaliqah. Allah Ta'ala, He informs us about something that it is relevant to all created things. All created things share this thing in common. And that is what? Is that every soul shall taste death. Every soul shall taste death. It's like Allah Ta'ala's statement. Everyone who was upon it will perish. And what's the only thing that's going to remain? 
ويبقى ربك ذو الجلال ويبقى وجه ربك ذو الجلال والإكرام and the noble and magnificent and auspicious face of your Lord shall remain meaning the only thing that shall remain will be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala everyone else is going to die now Al-Hafid ibn Kathiri mentions he says فَهُوَ تَعَالَى وَحْدَهُ هُوَ الْحَيُّ الَّذِي لَا يَمُوتُ it is Allah Ta'ala by Himself. He is the one who is alive, the ever living, who does not die. Will ints, will jinn, yamutun, but the human beings, mankind, and jinn kind, the jinn, all of them are going to die. And likewise, the angels, and those very strong, powerful angels that hold the throne. Now, everything will perish. Except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that which he has decreed. Ala kulli hal. Allah ta'ala, he has told us that every human being, every jinn, we are all going to die. Hadihi al-ayah, al-Hafid al-Kathiri mentions, this verse, fiha, in this, there is a condolence that already set forth to all people that they're going to die. They're going to die. So, so these are condolences in advance for those who have yet to die. That death is coming to them. It's approaching. And none of us knows when it will arrive. Some of us will live to be old. Some of us will die when we're young. None of us knows when is their time. This will continuously be the state until the last human being, the last jinn who is going to be born is born, live their life. Then at this point, the hour will be established and all there upon the earth, they will perish. So, what are our plans, knowing that this is the reality of what's going to take place? Because Allah Ta'ala, He tells us, فَمَنْ زُحْزِحَ عَنِ النَّارِ وَأُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةِ فَقَدَ فَاسِ So whoever is safe from going to hell and they enter into Jannah, these are the ones who are going to see the real success. Naam, only those who are saved from hell and enter into Jannah, this is the true and the ultimate success. There comes a hadith on the Prophet wasallam, where he makes it very clear unto us exactly who or, 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 or exactly what are the stakes? Before we get to who, exactly what are the stakes? What are the stakes and what are we striving after? What is, what, yani, to what extent is the metric or to what extent is Jannah the ultimate prize so that we better understand? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as it comes in a hadith عن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم موضع صوت في الجنة خير من الدنيا وما فيها اقرأوا إن شئتم فمن زحزح عن النار وأدخل الجنة فقد فاز حديث صحيح أو حديث حسن حسنه للباني um, The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he said that this space the space of the straddle or the whip of one of you in Jannah. So we know how you know, big a leather piece of leather is, right? It's not that big. But that small circumference of leather or that small piece of leather in, yani, in what is equivalent to its, its equivalent in Jannah is better, is better than the dunya and everything that is in it. So I want you to just reflect on that. That piece of leather, however much 
space that will take up in the Jannah, which we know is not a lot, not a lot at all, that small piece of space in the Jannah is better than this world and everything that is in it. So now, think about the castles in the Jannah and the mansions in the Jannah and the raised, um, what do you say, the raised dwellings inside of the Jannah, the rivers in the Jannah, the trees in the Jannah, the fruit in the Jannah. Now, this is the ultimate prize. There comes another hadith an Sahil bin Sa'ad. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu qal, qal Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la mawdi'u sawti ahadikum. He said, verily, the area in the space that one of your whips will take up in the Jannah or one of your uh, reins will take up in the Jannah, khayrun minat dunya wa ma fiha is better than this world and that which is in it. So all of the mansions of this world, all of the luxury vehicles of this world, all of the yachts of this world, all of the private jets of this world, all of the gold and the platinum and, and, and the diamonds and pearls and rubies and emeralds and to the end of it. That small piece is better than all of that. So if we want to go there, right? Then what do we need to do to be eligible? What do we need to do in order to be of those who are eligible for entry into the Jannah? And this is something that is important for us to constantly reflect over and that we teach our children. You understand? See, individuals at certain times of the year, right, they always make these goals, what they want to do for this year or the next quarter or whatever the case is. What is their plan for X, Y, and Z, right? And we're not knocking that. We're not saying don't do that. There is no benefit in that. There's some benefit in that from a worldly standpoint. It's fine. But more importantly, more importantly, we should have our strategy in place for our hereafter. How am I going to be a better Muslim? What am I going to do to be a better Muslim? What am I going to do to strive even harder for the Jannah? Knowing that every year brings us closer to our death. So what am I doing to better prepare? This has to be on all of our minds. What am I doing to better prepare? Firstly, and ultimately, we know that none of this is even a relevant discussion if we are not Muslim. So, alhamdulillah, ala ni'mat al-islami wa sunnah. All praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the sunnah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when speaking about the who, who are going to be these individuals who escape the hellfire and enter into the Jannah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ And do not die except that you are Muslim. Meaning, don't allow death to come to you. Don't allow death to catch you except that you are Muslim. Now, the only way to do this is that we have to always be ready. Now, those who are ready don't have to get ready. You understand that? We have to already be ready because we don't know when death is going to come to us. We have no idea. So we cannot afford to waste time. We cannot afford to gamble with our hereafter. We cannot afford 
to put off and procrastinate as relates to submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even as Muslims, and I want you to listen very carefully, even as Muslims, we cannot afford to wait to practice our religion until this or that. Whether that be when I get married, then I'll be religious. Or when I finish school, then I'll be religious. Or when I get old, then I'll become religious. Some people, they die single. How many students die and they're still in school? How many young people die? They never get old. So all of these milestones and things that we're waiting for, we can't afford to wait for them because death is not waiting around for us. Death is not checking in with us. What's your schedule? What's your plan? When's a good day for you to die? I'll be back. No, it doesn't work like that. Not at all. <clears throat> so because we don't know when we're going to die, we have to live as Muslims because the only way we're going to be able to die as Muslims is that we have to live as Muslims, right? So we have to strive to do what we're supposed to be doing. And when we come up short, then we ask Allah Ta'ala to forgive us. We constantly beg Allah to guide us because all of us have mistakes and have sins. All of us come up short. So it is important that we don't allow our imperfections to prevent us for striving for the Jannah. You're always going to be a sinner, brother. You're always going to be a sinner, sister. Just like I'm always going to be a sinner. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us this. All of the children, all of the children of Adam make mistakes and they make sins. And the best of those who make mistakes and sins are those who repent unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So don't say, I'm going to wait until whatever, whatever, as relates to this particular sin, until I start to do what I'm supposed to No. Do what you're supposed to do. Leave that sin alone. Trust me. You leave that sin alone, you'll find another sin to get into. But just repent when you get into that sin and leave that sin alone. And you know what? You're going to find another sin to get into. Because that's human beings. So never allow the fact that you're sinful to deter you. I want you to understand the foolishness of the whispers of a shaitan. What a shaitan is telling you, you're a sinner, so don't get right until you stop sinning. Yeah, subhanAllah. How are you going to get right if you're not submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How are you going to shake that sin if you are not submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The only way to get right is by striving your best to do what's right. While you're battling whatever vice that you may be at war with. While you're battling yourself and the evil of yourself. But you're not going to be able to conquer the evil of yourself without practicing Islam. You're not going to find guidance in the club. You're not going to find guidance in the bar. You're not going to find guidance in, in this or that haram place. No, but you're going to find the guidance where the guidance is. In the book, in the sunnah, you're going to find guidance by going to the masjid, being around good people. Do you understand? This is what's going to help you. So never allow shaitan to come to you and say, oh no, you can't get right because you a sinner. Even if I get right, I'm still going to be a sinner. The point is, is that having sin stop you is the most absurd thing ever. Repent to Allah Ta'ala. That's how you stop the sin and destroy the sin. Repentance destroys the sin. Repent to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Strive your best. Allah Ta'ala never told us that we had to die as perfect Muslims. Allah Ta'ala told us we had to die as Muslims. Why? Because none of us are going to be a perfect Muslim because we're all given to error. The point is we have to die as Muslims. The road is long. 
Naam, the road is long. The road of guidance is long. It is not, as Sheikh Al-Bani used to say, it is not important that you reach the end of that road. It's important that you die while on that road. That is what is important. That we die while striving our best. Because that's the only way we're going to be able to go to the Jannah. So Allah Ta'ala, He tells us, Do not die except that you are Muslim. Meaning, you got to live like a Muslim because you don't know when you're going to die. The Prophet as it comes in a hadith that's been collected by Muslim, the Prophet he said, That whoever loves to escape the fire and enter into the Jannah, whoever wants to escape the fire and they want to enter into the Jannah, how do we do it? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Then let him meet his demise while he believes in Allah and in the last day. Now, while he believes in Allah and in the last day. So I want you to reflect on that. This is how we are going to be able to escape the fire and enter into the Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He goes on to explain to us about that which is a hindrance for many people. And that is the life of this world. It gets in their way. Some people say, listen, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. Okay, but I'm trying to get money. I hear what you're saying, okay, but I want to get this position. I want to get whatever the case is from the affairs of the dunya. And because of that, I have to, you know, I don't, I have to leave off this other stuff you're talking about because they feel that if I am religious, I'm not going to be able to accompany or accomplish these particular things. And this is the furthest thing from reality. This is the biggest lie ever. Ma'am, there, there are many Muslims, I'm not going to say that there have been, because they are still now, many Muslims who are religious and who are very well to do, okay? But it's something important for you to understand, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives this dunya to those whom He loves and those whom He does not love. But Allah ta'ala, He only gives iman to those who He loves. Ma'am, so understand this. For these things that are a hindrance for people and that they are getting in their way and holding them back, so on and so forth. Allah Ta'ala, He tells us about the reality of it. Allah Ta'ala, He says, And the life of this world is nothing but a deceptive pleasure. It's, 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 a, it's a deceptive commodity. It's something that it is, it's not real. It's not real. Because whatever you have, it goes away. It's fleeting. It does not last. You understand? The best mango juice you ever drank in your life. Right? How long did you savor that flavor? As long as it was on your tongue. As soon as you swallowed it. As soon as it hit your esophagus. That's it. You don't taste it anymore. What do you have to do? Take another sip. And then it's over. And then not, and then not long after that, what? The container is done. This is the reality of life of this world. Nothing in this world lasts. Nothing. We go from stage to stage now in this world. Nothing lasts forever in this world. It's all a deceiving pleasure. And Allah Ta'ala, He tells us this, so what? And half of the Kathir, He mentions, تَصْغِيرًا لِشَأْنِ dunya, Belittling the status of the of, of this world showing us that this is low this is nothing this thing that is distracting you is nothing it's not worth anything let alone holding you back from the ultimate prize the life of this world is nothing he says 
tahqiran li amriha highlighting the disdain of its affair highlighting the disdain of its affair listen the dunya in the dunya we get sick in the dunya our loved ones die in the dunya we get injured in pain all of these things all these bad things happen in the dunya so why hold on to that even though sometimes loved ones are born even though sometimes we got health even though sometimes we got wealth even though sometimes we got we got we got it all it it, it ends at some point you're not healthy every day some days you're sick you feel miserable you don't always have money sometimes you don't sometimes people have a whole bunch of money but they have no contentment so they're miserable they're unhappy because money is not going to buy you happiness no This is the state of this dunya. People fall in love, people get divorced. People smell the roses, the roses wither away and die. Nothing in this world lasts. So why in the world will we be holding on to something that is running away from us? The milk, how delicious is the milk? But as soon as you get it, you understand it has an expiration date. It's not going to last but for so long before it will cause you sickness if you ingest it. It goes from smelling good to smelling disgusting. That's the life of this world. People are young, big, strong, beautiful, handsome, right? They get old, they get withered and down, they get wrinkly, they get, they get, they get. Not what they used to be. That's the reality of the life of this world. So why will we hold on to such affair, such an affair? The disdain of this affair is should be clear for everyone to see. Is nothing to hold on for. This dunya wa annaha dani'atun. This dunya everything in it is low. Naam faniya is fleeting, is going away, is disappearing, doesn't last forever. Qalila, it's only a little bit. Za'ila, disappearing. That's the reality of this world. You can get the best car on the market right now in 2024. As soon as you leave the, 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 uh, yeah, the, the dealership, its value already depreciated. Few years go by, and it's not looking like it used to. Uh, enough decades go by and you might be ashamed to drive around in it, some people, right? Because nothing lasts in its splendor here in the dunya. Doesn't last, doesn't last. And for, you know, the naysayers and those who come with absurd arguments, listen, a, 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 a beautiful diamond, for example, Right? Somebody say, well, that diamond is going to maintain its value and it's still going to be beautiful and it actually might be, you know, worth even more and things like that. Okay, maybe. But you know what's going to happen? If you hold on to that diamond, you keep it, you know, pristine and behind laser security and biometric security and all this type of stuff, right? You keep it like this. Okay, that's beautiful and it's nice. It's worth more, you know, like this. But you know what's going to happen? You're going to die and then those who inherit from you is going to be theirs. So that being the case, was it really yours to begin with? No, it was not. It belongs to whoever has it now. What did you get out of it? If you didn't spend it for you to loud, do something that'll help you on the day of judgment. Nothing. It did nothing for you. If you didn't pay zakat on it, oh, you're in trouble if you didn't pay zakat on that money and that wealth, right? So point is, I mean just wealth in general, not specific diamond. But the point is, is that if it's not something that will translate into benefiting you on the day of judgment, then it has no value to you in reality. And even if it outlasts you, outlive you, quote, for lack of a better term, it's just more indication that it's not yours. It doesn't even belong to you. So what are you trying to covet? What are you trying to hold on to? Allah Ta'ala, he tells in his noble book, بَلْ تُؤْثِنُونَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا 
Allah Ta'ala, he says, but, right, but you prefer, meaning those people who are of small intelligence, they prefer the life of this world, where the hereafter is better and is, and is everlasting. Now, Allah Jalla wa Ala, he says in his noble book, and what is the life of this world in comparison to the hereafter except for a, a small commodity? This is a small commodity. That's it. Now, that which you have with you is disappearing. It's going away. And what is with Allah? And that which is with Allah, it remains. Now, that which is with Allah, it remains. Another reminder to us that what we have is going away from us. But the hereafter is everlasting. Reflect on that. The hereafter is everlasting. So that means... There's only two options in the hereafter. That means it's either going to be everlasting a good time. Jannah. Everlasting pleasure and benefits. Jannah. Or everlasting punishment. We have to show what our actions, which we really prefer. Now, Allah Ta'ala, He says, وَمَا أُتِيتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَمَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتُهَا Allah Ta'ala, He says, And whatever I have given you, it is just a commodity from the life of this world and from the glitter of this world. وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى And that which is with Allah, it is better and it is everlasting. So as to remind us, Whatever we have, whatever we have, now, you see all this stuff here around, whatever all this stuff is just a commodity from the life of this world. It won't last. But that which is with Allah, it will last. It's better than all of this and more, and it lasts forever. Now, and it lasts forever. The Prophet Sallallahu gave us a very good example. The Prophet Sallallahu said, Wallahi, ma dunya fil akhirah illa kama yaghmisu ahadukum isba'ahu fil yam. He said that, by Allah, this dunya in comparison to the hereafter is nothing except like one who takes his finger and dips it into the ocean. Now, he or she takes their finger and they dip it into the ocean. فَلْيَنْظُرْ بِمَا تَرْجِعِ So look, what, did it, what, did, what does it come out with? He, he or she dip their finger in the ocean. You pull it out. How much of the ocean is on your finger? Huh? How much of the ocean did you grab just by dipping your, your finger in and out. That's the similitude of this dunya in comparison to the hereafter. So why would you want to give away this the little bit of moisture that you got from putting your finger inside and out of the ocean? You want to hold on to that and give up the hereafter? No, that's a foolish man's bargain, man. That is a fool's bargain that is a fool's barter okay وقال قتادة قتادة he mentions as relates to the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وما الحياة الدنيا إلا متاع إلا متاع الغرور and the life of this world is nothing but a deceptive pleasure نعم he said هي متاع هي متاع he says it is a just a, a fleeting pleasure and commodity. It's just a fleeting pleasure and commodity. That's it. Matruka. It is that which ultimately will be left. It will be abandoned. Right? It is that which will be left. It is that which will be 
abandoned. We see this. Just as an example, if you go to some of the, the areas in America that are now downtrodden, but at one time were a very affluent, if you go there, you'll see these big old houses and, you know, things like that. And people will say this used to be a very nice area at one particular period of time, but now you can't pay people to live there. Left abandoned. Left abandoned. Look back to the monuments of those who have come before us and their, and their living places and their dwellings and so on and so forth. I'm sure at the time it was very nice. But now it's abandoned. Matruka. This is the reality of this world. Everything in it, no matter how lavish, no matter how nice, no matter how luxurious, it is going to transition into ruin. Because that is the reality of this world. It's just it's just a, a commodity, just like items. It's nothing. It's going to be left ultimately anyway. So when it comes to this world, what are those things in which we need to take from it? What are those things in which we need to hold on to and to grab on to? He mentions, he says, مِنْ هَذَا الْمَتَاعَ اللَّهِ He says, so therefore, what you want to hold on to, what you want to take hold of, what you want to grab from all of these things that could be held on to and grabbed from the life of this world is obedience unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as you can. And there is no might except with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the takeaway is that for those who are truly wise, then we have to utilize this world to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So our whole outlook is different. So when that person buys a very nice vehicle that is reliable, their mind is not just because of, you know, whatever, just the name of it. No, no. I want the, the uh, you know, I want something reliable. Yes, the bells and whistles is nice. No problem. It's comfortable, right? It's cold. You got seat warmers, whatever the case, good AC, huh? Whatever, whatever it is, okay? So that I have something that is dependable, reliable, that I can utilize it to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I can utilize it to go to the masjid. I can utilize it to take my family to their appointments or to take them out to the park to make them happy like this, right? I can utilize it to make my mother happy, my father happy by doing things for them, by taking them places, you know, so on and so forth. Utilizing it to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the end goal. What vehicle is going to be the most reliable so I can get the most bang out of my buck? Meaning, what vehicle can I utilize it the most to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I can afford that's within my means? Let me get the best one, okay? Let me get the best one so I can get back and forth to work so I can take care of my, my family and, and, and uh, uh, fulfill the obligations in which Allah ta'ala, he has put upon me. This is how we look at things. When it comes time for that promotion at work, why am I taking these other classes and why am I, you know, trying to uh, um, upskill? For what purpose? Just to get the promotion and the title and the new office and then this and then that? No, the one who was wise, that businessman who was wise, he's saying to himself, if I do this and my income could increase by this, then I can better take care of my family. I could help out more members of my family. I could donate more to the masjid. I could feed more hungry people. I could provide clothes for more people who are in need of clothes, so on and so forth. That's how he thinks, or that's how she thinks. I want to do these things so I can better worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how we have to use the life of this world. And when it comes to those things that may uh, impact us in a negative manner, to go back to the same examples, if it comes to that call because they say, okay, I want to, I can get back and forth to the club better. No, we got to say no, renounce that. I can use this so I can go to my girlfriend's house. No, renounce that. No. I can use this so I can go to my boyfriend's house. No, renounce that. Haram, no, stay awake. Anything that is linked to the haram, anything that is linked to taking you to the hellfire away from success, no, renounce it. Not using it for that any way, shape, and form. The extra bit of income, person say, okay, now I can do this and do that and from the haram things. No, renounce that.
because it's taking you away from success. So when it comes time to anything haram, then learn to say no, no, will not do it. Abayna, no, will not do it. Naam. As the Sahaba they said as we started, Lawlallah mahtadayna wa la tasaddaqna wa la sallayna that if it was not for Allah we would not have been guided we will not have given charity nor will we have prayed we have to learn how to say what they said adamantly unapologetically when it comes to the haram avaina we refuse when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam you heard them saying this he said three times and he extended his voice avaina Abayna, Abayna. We refuse, we refuse, we refuse. So renounce your way to success, brothers and sisters. Like Tafi, Al Qadr, Muhammad, Wa Alihi, Wa Khayra.